You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. My special guest today is founder and president of Pinups for Pitbulls, Deirdre Little Darling Franklin is going to be joining us today. We'll be discussing the book, uh, Little Darling's Pinups for Pitbulls, a celebration of America's most lovable dogs. We'll also talk about her uh, rescue efforts and everything she does, all the great work she does in giving uh, exposure to uh, supporting the animals and supporting those pit bulls. So it's going to be a fun show, exciting show, and I'm anxious to get started with it. So we're going to come right back after these commercial breaks. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. It's your host, Tim Link. And joining me now is Deirdre Little Darling Franklin. Deirdre, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So big kudos for the books and all the great work that you're doing, all the great exposure giving to the dogs. So I want to get that right off the bat. I appreciate everything that you do. Thank you so much. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the book, Little Darling's Pinups for Pit Bulls. The book came out on Overlook Press. And the book is a compilation of about 10 years of calendars that I've made, pinup calendars, which have been used to help educate the public about dogs and the laws affecting them. And it also contains a little bit of my backstory from when I worked at post-Hurricane Katrina with the HSUS and in defense of animals. And it has some fun facts about dogs, a little bit of myth busting from some of the things that people believe about pit bull type dogs. And then it has a section on resources and things like that so that people can be better advocates for the dogs. There you go. Now, let's start with the calendars. What brought about the calendars? Was it for exposure, for revenue, for a little bit of everything? How did those come about? And then what gave you the bright idea of, hey, we got all kinds of great photos and articles and all kinds of wonderful stuff that we can put in a book? Well, 2005, I had a dog named Carla Lou, and I was learning about breed-specific legislation, which are laws that affect certain kinds of dogs, especially pit bulls and some other large breed dogs. And my fear was that one day one of those laws could come to my front door and actually cause my dog to be taken away from me. And these laws are usually are always based on how a dog looks and not on how they behave. And so I figured at the time I was doing a lot of burlesque performing and I was also modeling at the time with different pinup photographers in the area that I grew up in Pennsylvania. And I just wanted to put something together to bring some exposure to these laws and something that would be a fun and creative way to get people to pay attention. And I didn't expect it to be something that 10 years later I would still be doing. I kind of just thought it would be a little fun thing to raise money for the rescue I volunteered with at the time and just do a one a one-time calendar that would hopefully, like I said, raise some money for the cause that I was working with. And then before I knew it, people were very interested in what I was doing and people wanted to see it year after year. 
And 2007 or so, we started to do themed calendars, um, not just pinup, but we started to come up with different concepts. Like one year, we did a cruelty-free circus theme, and we just played around with it and just kind of tried to find new ways to get people to notice this cause without necessarily, you know, bumming them out with just information. But we wanted people to feel inspired and excited about the cause. And now we're in our, I believe, our 11th calendar, and we put out a model call every year. So right now people can apply to have their dog in the calendar or to model with their own dog. But we do this as a way to fundraise and also a way to bring exposure to our cause and mission. My publisher, Overlook Press, actually reached out to me about putting a book together because the editor at the time had a pit bull type dog and had been following my cause for years. And he thought, you know, it would be a great idea to be able to bring more the calendars to a new audience and to bring this information to a new audience by putting it together in a book. And that's how that came about. There you go. And now we have a wonderful book, chock full of all kinds of wonderful, uh, like I said, photos and information, beautiful pictures of the dogs, beautiful pictures of the women. And I love the themes. I think that's the key thing. The themes, how do you get creative enough to say, okay, this is going to be our theme for this calendar, for this part of the book. Do you just brainstorm or they just got so many of them that you can't keep up with them all? Well, it's a collaborative effort. Um, and in 2013, we started shooting with Celeste Giuliano. She's based out of Philadelphia. And she and her husband, David, do the shooting and the design and layout of the calendars with us. So we usually have a brainstorming session on what we think would work as a cohesive concept. 2013, we did a Norman Rockwell theme, for example, in 2014. And we went with Agents of Adventure. And that was really fun because we were we made it kind of like a campy story of different ladies being spies in different ways to help bring attention to breed-specific legislation, but we called it Mr. BSL, so they were all after this, you know, alleged character that was the problem instead of the laws themselves. So it was just like fun, sometimes goofy ways to get people to pay attention again, but we've just, I think we always have some stuff rolling around in our heads, and then when we get together, we all get very inspired by each other, and then we just try to make it happen. That sounds great. And it's just wonderful, wonderful. I just love the book so much and love, obviously, the cause itself. You brought up a comment that really strikes home for me in the fact that, you know, I'm heavily involved in rescue and work with rescue groups around the the nation as well in uh, various causes and legislative causes out there to uh, bring exposure uh, to the animals and get some of uh, the laws in place that will help them out. But I like what you had said and the fact that in putting this together, you're taking all the, the strengths that you have, all your background, everything you have, instead of perhaps, this may be harsh, but beating the same drum or beating someone over the head with the same topic, you're taking a different approach to get people interested in not only aware, but actually entertained at the same time. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's really important to, you know, a lot of the information that we work with is really challenging and upsetting. And I feel like the best way to inspire people, though, is to be positive and to be a voice of positivity. And that spreads, I feel like, a lot better than, you know, negative information sometimes. And even though we have negative situations that we're dealing with, we try to put a spin on it to get people to want to do something about it. I feel like when you're upset about it, sometimes you might just sit there and say, well, that's not fair and leave it at that, you know, and I really want people to say, well, that's not fair, but here's these tools that I have and ways that I can do things in my community and, you know, bring that forward. Exactly. So then with the the models and the the dogs, when you first started this, did you have more people wanting to get involved and you knew what to do with or a small amount? And then how has that changed over the years? That's definitely dramatically changed. So in the very first calendar that I did, I basically begged everybody that I knew around me, people that were in Roller Girls or doing different things in the community. And I, you know, begged them to be a part of it and to take a chance on this calendar concept that I had. And I was working a day job doing 
doing foreclosure mitigation and credit counseling, and I asked my office to let me, you know, put up a white wall in there and let us shoot this calendar with all these rescue dogs that I was working with at the rescue in New Jersey at the time. And um, so that was very different from how we do things now. Now, uh, a couple of years ago, I think we had almost 800 people apply to be in the calendar. And the year after that, it's just been grown exponentially, which has been amazing. So it went from being, you know, five or 10 people that I begged to be in it to people, you know, coming out of the woodwork from all over the world that want to be a part of it. So it's pretty amazing how that's shifted over a decade plus. And one of the fun things about the 2016 calendar that we did, we did um, a theme called Traveling Against Discrimination. And this year we went with a vintage postcard concept and we wanted it to be like, you know, letters from wherever you're going across the country. And we used that as an opportunity to help bring light to states that ban breed specific legislation. So, for instance, this month is Florida for March um, and even though they have breed-specific legislation in three different parts of Florida, the state itself bans BSL. So it was a way to educate again, but a way to do it in a fun way. So we have a pinup picking oranges with her pit bull on a ladder, you know, and so we, we try to make it as fun and informative at the same time as we can. But this was a really fun one more than usual, I think. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, uh, come back to talk to uh, Deirdre, a little Darlene Franklin about the book Pinups for Pitbulls, Celebration of America's Most Lovable Dogs. I also want to talk to Deirdre about how this all grew from uh, this little project to what it is today and how, how the best way people can help out. So more exciting times ahead. Everybody just hang tight. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Franklin is part beagle and part yellow lab. He was rescued in 2010 from the streets of Los Angeles. Somebody threw him out of a car and shattered his leg. He was malnourished and emaciated. He was also shedding excessively. The vet bills, the uh, prescriptions became increasingly expensive and he wasn't eating. That led me to look for other food sources for Franklin, including a raw dog food diet. I found the uh, the entire recipe, which incorporated raw meat, eggs, rice, Dinovite, and Lico Chops, his omega-3 supplement on Dinovite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Now he's thriving. He's shedding much less. He never misses mealtime, and his coat is soft and shiny. like that you guys are focusing on rescue dogs. I think every rescue deserves at least 90 days of Dinovite. 859-428-1000. Start that little pet off right. Just go to Dinovite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. 
is your host, Tim Link, and my special guest today is uh, Deirdre uh, Little Darling Franklin, talking to us about her book, Little Darling's Pinups for Pitbulls, a celebration of America's most lovable dogs. Now, Deirdre, you mentioned your, your involvement with uh, HSUS early on and now how it's grown. Tell us about those steps. How did it happen? Uh, how did it grow from there? And then how did you decide, okay, here's the best way that I can make an impact? Well, it's an interesting question. I I feel like I kind of fell in backwards. It was a, at the time when the calendar was growing just a little bit. It was when Michael Vick's story came out, and people went from not really caring about what I was trying to do or what I was, you know, saying about pitbull type dogs at the time to suddenly I had new stations and different people wanting me to come on with my dog and talk about what I thought about pitbulls and what was going on. So it was. It happened. I think a little bit of happenstance in that regard that I was in the right place at the right time in the Philly suburbs where, you know, they were very interested in what we were doing, especially when he became an eagle eventually. So there was, I think happenstance had a lot to do with it. And I've been an animal advocate since I was a little kid. I was always very concerned about every animal, not just dogs. And so I think a little bit of passion, a little bit of just stick-to-itiveness. And then it got to the point, I would say, probably three or four years ago where I kind of hit a ceiling, I feel like. And so I put myself into grad school and wrote my master's thesis on breed-specific legislation and worked to see if there was ever a time where that actually made sense to have BSL. And so I think that helped kind of open a new door and a new chapter in Pinups for Pickles because now I had people, you know, in the legislative side of things who were interested in what I had to say and what my thesis had to say. And so that I think kind of expanded things and moved things in a new direction. And at the time, that's when I was also being published with Overlook Press. And so I think it's been in- incremental, but I think happenstance has something to do with it as well. And just staying on and not giving up on the cause and not giving up on dogs had a yeah. lot to do with it as well. Absolutely. So big bravos, big kudos to you again for all that great work. You know, it's real interesting what you had said about the situation with the Michael Vick case. I'm in Georgia, and you know, I've been on the uh, the state house steps for years trying to beat the drum about breed-specific legislation, anti-tethering laws, dog fighting, all the things that we're now seeing come about slowly but surely. But that one situation with a high-profile person, especially here in Atlanta when he was the quarterback here, right. changed things. Uh, immediately the next year, all of a sudden, we had breed-specific legislation and anti-tethering laws, etc. How do you, being such an advocate for this and being such a close uh, part of your life and what you do, how do you deal with those situations? Do you see those a tragedy, being able to turn that into a, a positive situation, or how does that impact you and your causes? Yes. I mean, I think as a, as a human being, I can't help but be affected by the, you know, the tragedy. And sometimes I have to actually take myself off of social media for a few days or take myself out of certain equations so that I can regroup and be the best voice that I can be. And I think self-care is a big part of it. And I'm super grateful for what you're doing in Georgia since Georgia is one state that, you know, does have some, some serious issues in a lot of the rural areas as well as in Atlanta and places like that. So it's, I think everybody just doing their part and, you know, working together, I think it's as cliche as it sounds, it really is imperative to moving things forward. And when we realize that we have a collective voice and we can do a lot more when we work together, I think that makes a big change um, for the better. And when the Michael Vick situation happened, that was one of the moments where there was, you know, I think a tide change in the way that people worked together and realized that, hey, I'm in this city and you're in that city and we're working towards the same thing. What can we do? you know, on a bigger scale to make our voices heard. And um, like Facebook, for example, 
we have half over half a million followers now on Facebook alone, and that's mind blowing to me every day that <laughs> there's half a million people that care about you know dogs in general, let alone you know pit bulls, and you know when people think that nobody cares about them or that they're the you know the most hard up dog that there ever was, and you know you can look at it that way and say, well, here's 533,000 people that disagree with you, you know, and it's pretty amazing to see. I think it's really about perspective. I guess in the end, it's what you wake up, you know, deciding that you're going to do that day and what you're going to tolerate and how you're going to bring things to light. And every day I do, you know, what I can. And some days I just have to turn off and hide, you know, in the group. And I think that's really important also is that it can be very, very upsetting some days. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's a very fine line and you have to figure out how you can make your impact, how you can be part of it all to get the cause out there, to get the word out there, to, to get the laws into place. But you're right. It's it's very tough. And you see with a lot of people that work in animal advocacy or rescue organizations, they face a lot of burnout. They do. And I think the biggest issue with that is a lot of people face it and you know are burning out, but don't address it or don't call each other out on it when they need a break. And I think that's when, you know, it can be detrimental. You see these sanctuaries, for example, you know, that start out being, you know, well-meaning and then ending up becoming hoarder cases on the news. You know, there's that fine line is really important in making sure that, you know, you know, you're not taking on more than you can and doing what you can. And I think at the end of the day, I, I just like to look into my dog's eyes and know that like, that's one more day that he's safe and that, you know, that we can keep things going and I think that's what motivates me at the end of the day. Yep. It's always our dogs, always our animals it comes back it to to keep us uh And he's ironically rolling his eyes and sighing at me right now for being on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard this before. Give he's me like, my kibbles. Mm-hmm. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk real quick about the pit bull aspect of it. Over the years, how have you seen that going? Is it better than it used to be, worse than it used to be, on par with where it needs to be? Obviously, it's not where it needs to be, but how do you see that happening with just that particular breed? I think it is improving exponentially, especially from the days that I got started. When I adopted Carla Lou, uh, it was the mid-1990s. I was a teenager still, and I volunteered for a shelter where pit bulls weren't even allowed to be adopted out. They were just euthanized if they came in. And years later, I was able to get that shelter to turn around and change their policy, which was awesome in itself, just for a little bit of full circle advocacy. But when I first started, people really overall, like there were not that many people that I knew that had anything positive to say about pit bulls. And these days, you know, we have a really large presence and a lot of people have pit bull type dogs and a lot of great people have pit bull type dogs and are talking about them and are, you know, sharing them in their communities and just showing people that they're just dogs. And that's really what we want people to understand at the end of the day is they need the same things that any other dog needs. And they're not different. They're not, you know, they're not these like magical well they're magical to me but (laughs) you know that some people really have a really serious perspective about them that's negative and most of the time those people have never met a pit bull type dog or they've met met them in a really you know unique situation which you know maybe they had a negative situation of a roaming dog or a chain dog and you know we try to help people understand that that is a totally different situation than a dog that's living in the home and living you know getting to sit on the couch and hang out with everybody and be a part of things and so we try to help people understand the difference between how somebody might treat a resident dog that lives in the yard you know especially with you working with anti-tethering you understand that you know most of the situations where dog bites or fatalities occur are dogs that are living on chains or dogs that are roaming they're not family pets they're not dogs that are just randomly turning on people they're dogs that have been abused or you know put into these really difficult situations and it's our job again to make sure that we never set up our dogs to fail you know and 
the people that are leaving them unchanged often are not thinking about those kinds of things or they're not. There are people who live in poverty that can't do anything except have them outside on chains. And, you know, we need to do things to give them resources so that it doesn't have to be that way for them or for their dogs. That's right. And I think it really does come down to just uh, education is really the key thing behind it. I mean, we Absolutely. obviously we need the right laws and, and everything, but really it's education because I, I see that time and time again, they, a situation where an animal is going to be uh, turned in because someone doesn't want to or can't afford to take care of it anymore, or they put them in a situation like they tether them outside because that's all they know. But there are organizations out there that will come in and help you in that situation, help you, allow you to get back on your feet and they'll foster your dog for a while. Or even, uh, I know in organizations I've worked with, they will put in small fences, small fence areas and shelter and uh, dog houses and things in these rural environments to at least provide a better environment, not perfect, but better environment and a safer environment for your, uh, for your animal. Absolutely. And I think that the, one of the key elements in that is having compassion and sympathy for your fellow man, too, because a lot, of, a lot of people assume that a dog living outside or a dog in certain situations is just, you know, an abused dog. And a lot of times they don't realize that there could be a, a human in the house that's also, you know, dealing with abuse or a person in the house that really wishes that they could bring that dog inside or let the dog have a yard or a dog house or certain things that they just can't afford, but they don't want the dog to die by bringing it to the shelter, you know, and that's the way that they see things and they don't have the resources or the education sometimes to know that there's other opportunities. Like you said, there's resources, there's groups that are willing to help, but sometimes you have to go to those people and bring them the help because they don't have the ability that you or I have to go and just Google things and figure things out ourselves. You know, and I think that's the kind of compassion that we need to have as animal advocates and not have it be so one-sided. And I think that's part of the success of Pinups for Pitbulls is that Anybody who asks us for help, if we can help or point them in the right direction, we stop and we do that. And we don't ignore phone calls and we don't ignore emails and we make sure that we hold ourselves accountable because how else are we going to get things to move forward if we don't? Yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, that takes an account for, for all animals, all dogs, and uh, our pit bulls, the beautiful pit bulls. I think you're absolutely spot on with that. They're the best, uh, the best dogs out there. They really are great family members, uh, great with children, beautiful creatures than themselves, and just have to, uh, people have to become more educated about that breed as well as everything else around them. Absolutely. I mean, and at the end of the day, like I said, you know, they need food, they need water, they need shelter, just like any other dog. They're not inherently different. And that's what we need to just help people understand. All right, Deirdre, where can people pick up a copy of Little Darling's Pinups for Pit Bulls and also keep track of all the other wonderful things you've got going on? They can go to our website, which is pinupsforpitbulls.org, and they can order the book. And right now with the book, we're giving away a magnet, and I'm signing everybody's copies as well. But if they're not able to go to our website, it's available in most Barnes & Nobles and bookstores across the country. And then we also have an events page on our website where people can look and see if we're coming to their town. We travel all year long on the road to help bring our education and advocacy to people and not just online and, and things like that. So, yeah, they can go to our website. They can... Email us at info at pinupsforpitbulls.org if they're interested in becoming volunteers or getting involved in different ways. And like I said, our model call is open right now to people who are interested in being brand ambassadors for Pinups for Pitbulls so they can apply through April 15th. 
So all that great information, we'll share it here on our site as well. Everybody go out and pick up a copy of Little Darling's Pinups for Pitbulls. Uh, follow her on Facebook and uh, obviously go to pinupsforpitbulls.org and uh, get involved. Make sure that when she's coming to your town, you get to see her and all the wonderful little Pitbulls around that she always has. So <laughs> we <laughs> love you. that. So Deirdre, congratulations on the great book. Keep us posted on what's going on. We'd love to have you back on the show. And once again, big kudos for everything that you do. It's really appreciated and uh, I'm a big fan. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And I have another book coming out this October. So I'd love to come back on and talk about that another time. There you go. So we'll talk again uh, in October, if not before. Wonderful. Thank you, Tim, so much. Thank you. All right. Well, we're coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank our producer and our sponsors for making this show possible. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for me, you can feel free to give me an email. Drop me a line at tim at petliferadio.com. It's tim at petliferadio.com. And I'll be glad to answer your questions and entertain your comments and bring on the people you want to hear from most. While you're there, make sure you uh, check out all the wonderful shows and hosts on Pet Life Radio. It's petliferadio.com. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Write in a blog, an article, or in a book. And who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.